Welcome to Word Matters, presented by the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Word Matters is a podcast dedicated to helping Christians understand some of the most confusing and controversial passages of the Bible. And now, join the conversation with your hosts, Trevin Wax and Brandon Smith. Who were the Nephilim? That is the question that we will answer on this episode of Word Matters. I'm Brandon Smith, HCSB spokesperson, with my co-host, Trevin Wax, the managing editor of The Gospel Project. And uh, this is actually a question that has been posed to me several times. Hey, do the Nephilim, do the Nephilim, do the episode of the Nephilim. So we have decided to do this episode, though it's going to be interesting. That's right. This is a um, bizarre, strange portion of Scripture uh, from the Old Testament. The this early X-Fi- chapters of Genesis. X-Files Bible edition. Yeah. Um, okay, so let, let's let's just jump in. I'm going to read uh, Genesis 6, 1 through 4, and let our audience sense the strangeness of it as well. Uh, when, manca- when mankind began to multiply on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of mankind were beautiful and they took any they chose as wives for themselves. And the Lord said, my spirit will not remain with mankind forever because they are corrupt. Their days will be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth, both in those days and afterwards, when the sons of, of God came to the sons, sorry, <laughs> when the sons of God came to the daughters of mankind who bore children to them, they were the powerful men of old, the famous men. All right. So um, that is in the HCSB Genesis 6, 1 through 4. Yes. So it's a little, uh, it's a little perplexing. What makes this text really, this text really confusing is not only the Nephilim, which is basically a Hebrew word that means uh, fallen ones. Uh, it's not only that they're mentioned here, but they're not really described. Now, the only other time you really see them in Scripture is Numbers 13, where they're described as some sort of large people like giants, something like that. So they're they're kind of revered. Are they in conjunction with size. like the Anakim at that yes. point? Okay, because yeah. uh, as I remember, like that's that's mm-hmm. like the giant race. Okay. Right. So there's, there's some connection there that that is made. Um, but then you know, making matters worse, there's this language about the sons of God basically procreating with daughters of men, uh, and that's kind of surrounds this mention of the Nephilim. So so the question is, is there a connection between the sons of God and daughters of men and the Nephilim? Uh, who are the sons of God and daughters of men? That's something we have to figure out, which I mean, might help us. Okay. So. so my question, before we get into the options, is, is, this, is this, so the Nephilim are on earth, so you have giants on earth during these days, and then sons of God and daughters of men um, procreating, procreating mm-hmm. right? So that's uh, that. The strangeness of all of that juxtaposed yeah. in one passage is why we're okay. And are and are the Nephilim? Are they seven feet tall people that look like giants, or are they fifteen foot tall real giant? You know, what I mean, there's there's just when you talk about a giant in scripture, what are you talking about? That's a question we we probably can't answer <laughs> right. today, but that's another question that fits into who they are, right? So. Or are the Nephilim? Is it possible that the Nephilim are actually the the product of the sons of God and the daughters right. of men? Okay. Anyway, uh, first option is one that we're not going to take very seriously, although um, some people really, really do. Yeah. This is more conspiracy theory than biblical exegesis. It's the idea that the Nephilim were some sort of aliens walking around among mankind. Um, this actually has gotten decent traction in some Christian circles, but it just seems so strange that in chapter five that going back to authorial intent right there's been no discussion whatsoever of some sort of alien race right right? that the idea that just a few chapters after god creates the world um aliens coming to earth seems like it would have been mentioned that moses would have made a point to to talk about this so not gonna spend too much time on that view 
So let's go. There's two other views. What let's if I hold to that view, though? Are we going to spend time on it if I hold to it? Um, no, I'd rather try to convince you that people actually did land on the moon. Oh, okay. Well, that's that. we can do an episode yeah. on that. You <laughs> okay. know the flag wasn't waving, right? Or was it waving on the moon? Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, sorry. Ne- right. Next one. Next one. You're, um, you're, losing, you're losing people. This is what happens when we don't plan jokes. Yeah, this but, is what happens. Yeah, okay. They, so, so... So basically, if if this is right, then whatever they're hiding at Area 51 is going to give us answers <laughs> right. to scriptural exactly. confusing passages. Exactly. We may have to revisit this one day. Okay, so the next view um, is that the Nephilim are offspring of the sons of God and daughters of mankind, which are mentioned here. So, so the idea is that the sons of God refers to angels, fallen angels particularly, so demons, the ones who rebelled uh, with Satan. Uh, sons of God is, is used elsewhere in scripture to talk about these angels um, or angels in general, like in the beginning of Job. Um, etc. And the daughters of men ref- would refer to human women, which is kind of self-explanatory to the daughters of mankind, of men. Um, so the Nephilim then are uh, superhuman offspring of these uh, angels and humans, uh, which might explain their size, it might explain the reverence that these people have for them as they have reference for angels and for giants and large people in general. So, Okay, get, where, where, where's the evidence for that view? Like, is there anything other than this passage right. that would lead you to lead up? To think yeah, of? so... Um, so proponents of this view are going to say, uh, you know, you look at Jude 6 to 7, where it talks about God um, keeping certain fallen angels uh, locked away in hell. As Another sort strange of passage. Right. For, and, and it talks about sexual immorality that they right. committed. Right. And so you think about in Scripture, there is this idea of Satan and the fallen angels having uh, some sort of um, ability to roam free on the earth and to tempt us and, and those kinds of things. And so if that's true, then maybe these stepped over the boundaries that God gave them and committed the sexual immorality and that's why they've been uh, locked away which is what Jude 6 to 7 sort of seems to allude to uh, you've also got the idea in first Peter 3 19 of, of Jesus descending into hell and proclaiming to the angels who are kept in prison um, that that maybe Jesus descended down there between his death and resurrection to proclaim judgment on these angels who had committed this crime and we're gonna so, do we're gonna do a podcast on that on yeah, first Peter 3 should. 19 yeah. we may end up coming back to the Nephilim in that one too so uh, hopefully not but uh, so the so the sons of God are fallen angels let's just recap this sons of God fallen angels who had sex with human women creating the Nephilim uh, and then these sons of God were chained up for crossing the boundaries that uh, that God had given them to roam free on the earth for a time. Uh, and Jesus will eventually come back and destroy them for good, which is what he proclaims when he descends into hell, possibly in First Peter 3. Okay, um, let's give one more view. A third view is that the sons of God describes godly men, uh, maybe from the line of Seth, mm-hmm. right, which is one of Adam and Eve's other children, as opposed to the line of Cain. Um, that these sons of God, the, the good seed, the good line, uh, then procreated with sinful women who didn't worship God, daughters of men, meaning they didn't belong, they, they didn't belong to God. They weren't in right. the same line. That, and the defense of this is, is that the, the story does come right after Cain wanders out into the wilderness. And so the wicked offspring of Cain start intermingling with the, with the people who still worship God. And that would explain why in verse 3, it, when it says God was tired of battling with mortals, you know, and then verse 5 talks about the earth being filled with wicked people. Then God wants to flood the earth. So it's possible that the Nephilim are the same people as the sons of God, which would make sense because they're described as heroes of old, uh, which means that they were in some sense good, at least at, at one time. So yeah, that's another. because yeah, verse three has that, that, that kind of weird comment, uh, depending on what translation you look at, HCSB says, you know, my spirit will not remain in mankind forever because they're corrupt. There's this battle going on. And other verses say that he doesn't want to battle with mankind. So yep. it's interesting. So in some ways, it seems like he's pointing out that they're all mankind. They're all people. 
I guess. Um, and then um, there's kind of a, a third view, which is just the idea that the Nephilim are kind of an odd addition here. So they don't really mean anything to the story. I think we can it's, all agree that it's an odd addition. It is an regard, odd, yeah. Regardless that's, that's of, a view we can all agree that's on. That's a view we can all agree on. But, it, but they'll say, like, you know, the language in the Hebrew doesn't seem to tie them together. So maybe they're talking about sons things. of God and daughters yeah. of man and Nephilim are separate. Yeah. Uh, and we don't know enough about the Nephilim to know whether or not they're related to the story. So it kind of confuses things a little bit. So, uh, Trevin, what is your view on this passage? Okay, well, you start. You want me to start? Yeah, okay. well, you, you, I think you have a stronger view on this than I do. So why don't <laughs> okay. you why don't you start? Uh, so I I lean toward the second view, uh, at least at least for sure, in the sense that you mean um, when you say second view, yeah, yeah. So you're talking about the sons one... of God are the fallen angels who okay. procreated okay. with, okay. with so the, daughters the Jude connection and First Peter yep. connection. And all yeah, and I think okay. so because of the biblical evidence that seems to kind of pull this together in Jude, First Peter three. Um, I, yeah, I'm a little, I'm still a little squishy on who the Nephilim are, if they are really offspring or not, but I think for sure we see uh, a tie here to some sort of angels not doing what they're supposed to be doing, going over the boundaries God has allowed them to have. Um, and so I think this makes sense actually, if you look at it in, um, in relation to the flood, which comes right afterward, which is the idea that, that, that sin has become so rampant to the point that even fallen angels and women are procreating, which is think about that in the Hebrew world, the idea of the create, the creation and, and, uh, the created and the idea of these, you know, angelic beings, which are separate from us and not humans. Um, just this idea that that could start happening and, and the reverence for these heavenly beings is so low that there begins to be procreation, just very strange, uh, talk there. And, and so I think there's some ways in which, um, this is some strange occurrence in scripture that shows even more so how wicked the world was and how rampant sin was, uh, to the effect that God actually had to flood it. So, okay, um, I, I really have a hard time with this passage to the point that when it comes down, I really think there's two potential views: the one you just said, and then the one that really doesn't connect the Nephilim mm-hmm. necessarily, and just talks about the line of Seth intermarrying with the line of Cain, basically mm-hmm. the sons of God with the daughters of men. Um, I, I think the second one is easier. To, mm-hmm. to me, here, here's the thing with the first one. Okay, so you've got a lot of you've got a lot of tradition, and you've got a lot of church history that has speculated on this. But you, all three of those passages are strange. Yeah. So you have to come up with an interpretation. First of all, you have to basically where which which of the strange passages do you sort of put the flag in the ground and and ground the interpretation of the others in. And it's like, well, first Peter may be referring to this and then Jude may be referring to this too. And so if we put it all together, this is sort of the, the, and I guess the speculation is good for me. It's just the, the, the other view is simpler. Um, but it doesn't, anyway, there's not as much of a, of a pedigree, uh, to, to the view of it just simply being the line of Seth intermarrying right. with the line. I mean, of it's, pro- so, it's arguably the, the highest the, the most consistent view in church history is that sons of god were fallen angels yes so, so you have that yeah. so i i do not have a um i don't know yeah this is one of those passages where i'm just like i and i actually i have a penny in my hand <laughs> i'm going to flip the coin <laughs> oh i didn't pick heads or tails so okay i still don't know he- heads agrees uh, with me uh yeah um no i really i really have a hard time with this passage because it's so it's it's so strange and i'm not and but and you could and you could ha- you could amass some support for either of those right. of those sides like with all of the passages we deal with so i i do not take a strong position on this it's a very mysterious passage of scripture and i'm actually okay 
reading this these verses and being like, I don't know what is going on here. <laughs> just what go exactly on to the flood. We can talk right. about. Let's just move so, on to the flood. Okay. Right. So, how would you preach or teach this? You you have a stronger view on this. Yeah. So I'm curious. How how do you work this into your sermon series? Yeah, I think so. So holding the view that the sons of God are fallen angels and that there was just this rampant amount of sin on the earth, um, I would want to point that out, talk about that happening, and then move on to um, kind of the second half of how I describe the view, which is basically saying that um, in light of all of these verses and others, we see the rampantness of wickedness sin, of the wickedness yeah, on the yeah. earth. And so then you get into the flood. So I would actually take this into the flood conversation. So I would start bringing it into that. Um, and not do it kind of in isolation. Well, as its that's own, what like, Moses did when sermon. he wrote Genesis. So it's that's wise right. of you to do that. I'm going to do all 50 chapters actually in my next yeah. sermon. If um, I'm if I'm preaching or teaching this passage, I'm reading this this narrative and I am moving right on to the flood. <laughs> and I'm going to say, I'm going to be I'm going to mention the the mystery the mysterious nature of the the passage yeah. the first part and how contested it is, and then move right into the flood narrative, which is what. Yeah. what happens in in Genesis but um connecting it to what's happened before but then moving moving on because it is, it is a strange little link in between what we've just seen in um, uh, chapter 5 and then what is coming right. later with the flood and I don't want to spend too much time on the link I I would just move I would go ahead and move to the flood and, and that's let, not a cop out unless the link actually describes the second half better uh, well I mean it it could, but I, I'm, I, you know, I'm not skipping over because I think it's too hard. I'm, I'm, I really, I'm not. I think the main point of this entire passage is, like you said, the rampant weakness of the world leading right. to the flood. I would major there and then not minor on the whole speculation of uh, of of what it might be. That's, do, that's and, just that's how I would do it. Yeah, and you do have verse three. You know, it says that. Um, my spirit will not remain with mankind forever because they're corrupt. I'm going to shorten their lifespan. I mean, so you've got a little verse in there, at least to tie to the wickedness if you're preaching through it. Yeah, and also talk about the patience of God up. and when, when God's right. patience does run out and right. things like that. And yeah, so, and, it's, and the flood story is always great to end with the idea that even through God flooding the earth and ridding it of wickedness and all of the sin, that God is still gracious to us by making a covenant with Noah. That's right. And continuing to let the human race exist, which is the only reason why you and I are sitting here talking about it today. That's right. And all scripture is profitable, right? We believe that, including the Nephilim. Including the, passage the passages on the Nephilim. we want to pass right. over really quickly and not preach. Right? Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that rebuke. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all, as always, for listening. Thanks, Trevin, for jumping on. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Word Matters is presented by the Holman Christian Standard Bible, a translation that is faithful to the original languages but clear for today's readers. Find out more at hcsb.org.